my first guest. His name is Michael Balboni. He was a Republican state legislator for many years. He was known for working across county lines and winning in an ever more dem leaning district. He was appointed by Governor, then Governor Elliot Spister, to head up public safety, so overseeing homeland security and criminal justice agencies for the entire state, and then left government for the private sector and is founder of Redland Strategies, which is a consulting firm really at the intersection of public safety, government relations, and media relations. Michael, welcome to Cut to the Chase. Thank you. Thank you for having me, Laura, and uh, happy Mother's Day to you, too. Thank you very much. Back at you. So, Michael, I want to start with the blame. Uh, There's a lot of blame going around. The Biden administration says Congress needs to fix it. The Republicans are saying this falls squarely on Biden's lack of leadership. Biden's, meanwhile, getting criticized from the right and the left. Who's right? This is a problem that has existed for decades. This is not the invention or the dereliction of any one administration. This is something that uh, comes really at the heart of the, the, the debate as to what immigration should be in this country. And so and to say that one administration didn't fund it the right way, didn't have the right strategies, I mean, you can say the same thing with Trump's wall. You could say the same thing during the Obama era as to what we were doing with people who were in the state. How do we make sure that they're working, that they have the right papers to work? You know, this has gone on for, for a very long time. Right. And it has, it has become a very hot touch point, really because of what happened recently in the last you know year or so. There were folks that, that down in Texas and in, um, in, in uh, Florida basically said, oh, yeah, you guys think this is a problem now? We've had a problem for a long time. We're now going to ship these folks to you, yep. which people sat there and said, that is so cynical. That is such a terrible thing to do. And, you know, you could argue that one way or the other, but. The thing you can't argue is now put a focus on this problem, not just at the border. That's absolutely right. And it leaves because of the inaction on the federal level. I mean, in just in today's New York Times, it says there is not once in the 21st century, you know, the 23 years of the 21st century, has Congress managed to send a comprehensive immigration bill to the president's desk. So there have been attempts. There have been noble attempts, but they've not. They've all gone south. So what happens is because of this inability to come up with solution on the federal level, where I believe it rightly belongs, it's pitting governors against mayors, against county executives, because they're the ones who have to deal with these actual human beings who are coming into their jurisdictions. You know, Laura, you have the personal experience of, of dealing with the normal stream of crisis that any local government, especially large governments right. like New York City, have to deal with. Yeah. And what everyone should take a minute and think about is that – so there's Mayor Adams. Whether you like him or you don't, I had a chance to serve him in the legislature. I like him. Um, but he is faced with this issue that came out of nowhere. Mm-hmm. You didn't budget for this. You, you, know, you didn't anticipate it to be in 2022 that you would have to put this kind of money into this type of a topic and try to put these resources on the table because they're not there. You know, th- That's the thing. How do you bust a budget to do this? And so what you say is, all right, what about the state? How are we going to get help there? Right. You know, Since you have we, you have experience right. at the state, that's that's something I'm going to ask you. Is there a role for the state here? Without a doubt. And I think that Governor Hochul has been asking the Biden administration for um, dollars to help. But she's also asking that she's looking at resources here within the city itself, because it really is a multi-jurisdictional response. Right. You know, the, the, the state has these huge armories. One of the uh, one of the assets of the state that I got a chance to work with directly to the National Guard, they have these huge armories. 
Then you've got these other programs. You know, we've taken a lot of youth detention facilities, and they're no longer being used, drug treatment facilities. There is open space Hmm. within some of these state facilities. And then, of course, there's the ability to to build space. You know, the Roosevelt Hotel um, that just came online, and that's going to be helping families. Right, right in Midtown Manhattan. Right in Midtown Manhattan. So what this is at the local – I look at this three ways, Laura. There's the local immediate level where you say, okay, there's a short-term resource allocation like a armory. Then there's the longer term where you take facilities that have been closed like Roosevelt Hotel, and now you bring them forward and you say, okay, for the next couple of weeks as we transition, here you go. You can use these. And then a longer-term solution, but you need the intake center. The other thing that Roosevelt Hotel is going to be is an intake center. And that's going to actually try to give people all sorts of counseling, whether it's jobs or it is psychological counseling. But there is the point right now where it's really bad. If you if migrants are arriving on city streets and they're saying, we start from zero, that's exactly wrong. And that's where you get to the next issue, which is, so what are the federal government? What should the federal government be doing? Mm-hmm. The federal government should be looking not at the uh, just at the border. That's very important. It should be looking at places like Venezuela. It should be looking at choke points across the entire Central America um, uh, space where people make these journeys. And there should be efforts to have folks screened outside the country so that you don't have people arriving here with no options. Right. That is what's going to really be a disaster for government to try to react to that. You know, there's a lot of concern uh, when you talk about you know, you don't know who's coming in. There's a lot of concern about people who may not have been vaccinated for polio or tuberculosis. Right. You know, there could be a public health crisis, which would be terrible for many, many reasons. But it would also fuel a lot of hatred for these folks who are coming along with everything else. How, yeah. how can how can I mean, what is it that needs to happen to set up these kinds of centers outside of the country? Uh, when you talk about crises in places like Venezuela and Haiti and Cuba, which is bringing, you know, causing so many folks to want to come to these, this wonderful country. We should take a look at this from the same, through the same lens as we would with the um, drug trade. Hmm. In other words, if we knew that a country was sending drugs to, to, on our streets to poison our children, we would do everything we can to get that government to stop it at the local level. A combination of threats and actions that we were going that you can come and and take people off the street who are doing this, but also incentives. Now this is we have to create this partnership that these folks are leaving. They shouldn't just say, "Well, this is now somebody else's problem." They should be made to pay a tab to the the countries that these people go to because they're kind of creating the problems to begin with. They shouldn't get off scot free. Now, if their economy is suffering, okay, work those partnerships. But this must be a full-time diplomatic effort because this is a crisis, and it's not going to stop anytime soon. No. In fact, it looks like it's going to get worse. There's a huge displacement of people throughout the world right now, Uh, 71 million displaced people. uh, That's assumed by the end of 2022, up from 59 million at the end for 2021, uh, thinking it's because of war. Climate disaster. So you think about what's happening in the Ukraine, the devastating right. floods in Pakistan. So uh, things going on in Asia, a lot of Chinese coming to the southern border as well. So when you're at the southern border, and you think of the southern border, you think mostly Mexico, Central America. But you've got Asians, you've got Europeans, right. you've got 
uh, Africans coming as well. Right. So remember I said that there were three aspects I was looking at? Yeah. The local response, right, using state and city assets. The diplomatic response, trying to go down into the countries that are generating a lot of the, the migrant workers. And then there's the, the, the border response. All you need to do to understand what a terrible crisis this is to go to, to travel to El Paso, Texas, hmm. where there is a tent city that's gone on there. They do not have the proper sanitation facilities. There's absolutely no educational capabilities. There's no intake center there. Wow. And the folks in El Paso are, have been dealing with this for a very long time. In fact, many Texas communities have had this really, really difficult situation going on for a very long time. And so the federal government needs to sit back and say, you know what? We're going to put politics aside. We know that there's a lot of differences of opinions on how to run this country. But we're going to get in there, and we're going to try to provide those resources so that when folks do come across the border, they're met with folks who understand their plights and be able to have you know, some type of resources for them. But, Laura, I don't want to be totally negative. There are two things that we should think about. One is, you know why everyone's coming here? Because the United States still is the number one destination for people that's right. who want to travel. Yeah, outside. think about that. that. That's a right. big part of it. Yes. Right. And, and so that, that says a good thing about us as a nation yes. and the way we live our lives. The second piece is post-pandemic, there are so many industries that do not have workers. They just don't have workers. Yeah. You know, healthcare, entertainment, restaurants. Um, agriculture, you know, transportation, agriculture, they do not have the workers. So what we have to do is put on the American ingenuity hat mm-hmm. and say, OK, how do we streamline getting people shelter, getting people screened, getting people in a position where they can work and a path to citizenship mm-hmm. should they want it? You know, these are the types of things we have to focus on now. It is doable. It is doable. But I, I'm concerned that in our political climate right now, I don't know if it's going to happen, and I, it worries me. It really does. Do you have that same concern, Michael? As By the way, I'm speaking well, to Michael Balboni of Redland Strategies. You're listening to WABC, and I'm Laura Curran. Sorry, Mike. Go ahead. No, no, no. You know, I, I am an optimist. I've always been an optimist, and, and I really always admired those who decide that they're going to serve in government. Mm-hmm. And I think that notwithstanding a, a lot of um, – a lot of folks who say nasty things about folks in office. I think there are a lot of very fine people. I agree. For the right reasons. I agree. Um, and, I, and I think this is that they will, that collectively, the, the political class will respond to this crisis. And I guess what we have to do as the public is we have to sit back and kind of tune out the noise and support folks who put good ideas together and decide that they're going to try to take this on because it's not going to be easy. If you say you're, you're giving people the ability to work in this country without becoming citizens is going to be a whole bunch of people sit there and say, wait a minute, well, I came, my parents came through Ellis Island, or I went to the immigration system. Well, it's a slap in the face. We dealt with this when we were in, in, in office, Laura, you and I. We mm-hmm. always had those folks who said, wait, well, what about we had to do it right and they don't? Mm-hmm. How do you do that? But at the same time, you have people sit back and say, there is a need for a workforce. These people are here. It's not, it's not an academic exercise. They're here. They're human beings. They are human they beings. They be treated from a humanitarian issue. You know, this is not an issue about homelessness. This is a humanitarian issue. And if the federal government does not come up with these solutions, I'm concerned that the relations will continue to fray among governors. You know, I mean, just the perfect example is Governor Abbott 
sick of this in his state. You can't blame the guy sending them to, quote unquote, sanctuary cities. So now you have, you know, Mayor Adams, with whom I empathize greatly, having to feed, house, care for thousands of people, up to a thousand a day coming, 61,000 since last spring. Now he's asking for Orange County, Rockland County, Yonkers to help out. They don't want to do it. And you can't blame them either, you know, and nobody's the bad guy here. They're just trying to handle this and fix this problem. It's almost like, you know, the the parents have gone out and abandoned the children and and it's Lord of the Flies. They're trying to figure it out amongst themselves without the proper resources. Yeah, well, well, leadership and resources is absolutely what we need right now. Leadership and resources. Amen. Yeah. And and I think the governor is, is trying to put something together on this. Um, she is. It's not just a plea to uh, Biden. She's actually willing to put resources into this and use some of the state's assets. The city, obviously, Mayor Adams is trying to do the same thing. The question becomes, how do you tackle this from a regional perspective, but also from a sustainability perspective? Because, again, we all acknowledge it. There are 61,000 folks that are here today. Yeah. Who knows if that number doesn't double in the next year? And what does that do to a whole set of issues from housing to transportation to the economy. Yeah, and I think of public health as well. The other thing I think about is if there is disorder at the border, if there's if there's not like you say those 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 stations where people can be sorted out and their needs assessed, uh you're going to see the cartels, you're going to see the coyotes right. getting richer and more powerful. And yeah. of course, we know what happens with that. Yeah. So we have borders for a reason. You know, when you take a look at the uh, – sometimes I'm, I'm having some discussions with my friends who sit there and say, why do we even need a border? I said, well, imagine it, if you didn't have a border and anybody could walk through. What would the United States be? How would you prevent folks who want to do bad here? You know, one of the things we, we really don't talk about enough from my perspective is the fentanyl crisis, yeah. which is killing young Americans every day. Yep. And we don't talk about – so where is that coming? How do we stem that tide? How do we stop that? How do we put those folks who put that poison on our street in jail? Well, that's an issue you can't even begin to tackle that if you don't have effective border enforcement. And then the other thing is, you know, Laura, you know my background. I'm never too – I never look too far away from the fact that, unfortunately, this is still a dangerous world. And there are folks out there who you know, want to do the United States wrong. And so from a terrorism perspective, from a preparing a battle space perspective – there's a whole bunch of things that we need to have visibility in who's coming across that border. And you're right, the cartels and the folks who want to uh, traffic in drugs and um, children and prostitution, they, they love chaos at the borders. Yeah. You know, and, and they thrive on the numbers of folks, and they're basically using the immigration issue as a, as a, as a way to do business. Michael Balboni, a former state legislator, former head of public safety for New York State, founder of Redland Strategies. I think the biggest takeaway from this conversation is we need leadership, we need grown-ups, and we need smart distribution of resources to handle this problem because it's not going to get better. It's going to get worse if the folks in charge, if the grown-ups can't control it. So, Mike, I want to thank you so much for coming on, and it's always good to talk to you. Yes, thank you very much, Laura. Have a good afternoon. Take care. All right, listeners. uh, Up next, I'm going to speak with Monsignor Jim Lasanti. He is a Roman Catholic pastor in Massapequa Park. He's also uh, got a podcast, got a radio show. He's on TV all the time, and he's got really interesting things to say about the migrant crisis from a Christian perspective. So, Monsignor Lasant, 
You guys probably have heard of him and seen him on Fox News and WABC. Coming up next on Cut to the Chase. Observers say her future is bright. Here to tell us more about it, Laura Curran. Cut to the Chase with Laura Curran on 77 WABC. This is Greg Kelly for Priority Gold. What does it mean to be America's precious metals dealer? It means that you're in touch with the hearts and minds of those who love this country, value our freedom, and want to protect the future. Priority Gold is that precious metals dealer. They've helped thousands of Americans back their retirement with solid gold and silver. Call Priority Gold at 888-506-6439. Receive free shipping, free storage, a free investment guide, and one of the best purchase experiences in the industry. Call now or go to PriorityGold.com.